Welcome to another edition of Cheese Steaks with. I'm so excited for you to meet my next guest. Russ is actually a randomly paired college roommate. He has a pretty interesting story. After college, he final tabled the World Series of Poker. Since then, he's been a full-time poker player. Among the many things that he is involved in, he is very, very, very into NFTs. So much so that uh, we had a very long, drawn-out debate on it once where I can't really wrap my head around it. However, about a week later, I was talking to an artist who was also against NFTs, and I found myself saying to the artist the same thing Russ was saying to me. So I thought it'd be really cool to have him on to talk about NFTs, get his perspective on it, and uh, yeah, I think it'll be really cool to see this conversation in three to five years when uh, his NFT collection is worth zero dollars, and I can say, I told you so! Ladies and gentlemen, Russell DeWitt Thomas. And for the record, Russ is very involved in crypto, very involved. You own, I don't know what you own, but you ha he has like a digital art gallery. He's he's an NFT, like hardcore. Like hardcore. You're in, I'm not yeah. that hardcore. Yeah. All right. You have a digital Listen, art gallery. I have a digital art gallery. Yeah. Because it's fun. That's hardcore. It's fun. <laughs> NFTs are fun, right? The way it works is like this. Like, uh, if you don't understand how Bitcoin works... Um, or a blockchain works. It's like kind of hard to understand NFTs, um, but simply like this allows you to sell digital art on the internet, and it allows you to um, you'll you'll ha you have proof of ownership, and then you can also resell that art to someone else potentially. So, like if the best artists in the world right now said they wanted to drop NFTs, and they could auction them online and there would be a lot, a lot of interest, and those would sell, right? And th th there would be markets forming around these uh, art pieces online, just like there are in real life. Um, but what, N what NFTs allow is, it allows anyone, anywhere to sell art, and anyone, anywhere to buy it on the internet. Whereas before NFTs, like, did anyone really own any digital art? Like, um, how would you sell digital art to someone? Like you, you would sell them a print, or potentially. And see, now that I'm hearing you say these things, I'm back to the side I was before. Yeah. So it's like, I can like, and again, I know this is like the most simple, and this is a good first step to get started on. But like, I can just screenshot the thing, you, you know. Can. So like, if I screenshot this, I think Top Shot is a, that's what it's called, right? Top Shot. The Top card Shot. Thing. Yeah. I feel like that's like a great example, right? So you buy these packs of cards, digital packs of cards. Yeah. And some of them are more valuable than others. Right. I don't really under, like, I don't know how anyone prices that. But, you know, uh, I'm on a, a group chat and somebody's sending me a picture of this digital sports card that they own. And it's like, okay, I screenshot that and it's in my phone. Now I, I can enjoy it just as much, you know? Right. So, like, how is that I mean, valuable? Can, like, what is the value to that? What is the value? Um, it's like uh, collectors value, like, humans like collecting things, right? People love Pokemon cards. You, you love Pokemon cards as a kid. And, like, kind of what's happening here with NFTs is, like, kind of digital Pokemon cards, except they're not necessarily Pokemon. They can be anything. Um, and if an artist has a following and they're involved in crypto and they like collecting things, 
there's going to be a market that forms around NFTs that the artists drop. Where's the value to that, though? Where's the Where's the value in any art? Like art, like you you can say NFTs are a scam, and to be honest, there's a ton of scam collections minting out in NFTs. Let's be very clear, because so what do you mean by that? Um, like what's the, a scam collection? I mean, there's a tons of ton of scams in crypto in general, right? Um, because the way the blockchain works is transactions are irreversible. So if they can get, so there's always someone trying to get you to give them money on the internet, and right. it's like potentially easier with crypto than it is with with your credit card because there's no chargebacks in crypto. Like one, once you send that money to someone, your money's gone. Right. Um, there are ways they can track scammers after they get their money because in order to turn that crypto into actual dollars, it probably needs to hit a centralized exchange. But like generally, it's like pretty hard to track down. Um, but there is a record of where that money goes. Yeah. What were you saying? Sorry. Where Where's the value? Where's the value? Where's yeah. the value in any art, though? Like it, it's in the beauty. It's in the. It, it's in. Yeah, but um, I actually just saw an interesting. Uh, uh, you know, infographic today, uh, Michelangelo did a sculpture and the way the pinky was raised on the sculpture of Moses, like he had the muscle yeah. that a human like accentuated, you know, yeah. it's like, that's very detailed. It's unique. Yeah. It's the hard to replicate. Detail, the level of detail on some of these NFTs these days are in, is, is insane. Like I, the amount of effort people are putting in and people appreciate appreciate so, that effort and are willing to pay to own that so, when they're the only one who can own it. Anyone can screenshot it and look at it, but that doesn't mean they can own it. But there's a difference when it's digital. Like, if you're going to enjoy art, like you said, the value in art is beauty and enjoying it, whatever. It's like, I can't get that sculpture and put it in my backyard. You know what I mean? Like, that sculpture is one sculpture. Right. You know, and a painting is a physical thing. And even a sports card, a Michael Jordan sports card or a rookie card, how many of them are there in the world, you know? It's yeah. like, and the fact that, you know, if you can, it's just like with coins, if you can, if you can preserve them over time, you know, most of the cards from 1990. Why is a Michael Jordan sports card valuable? Because it's, well, first, yeah, I mean, I agree. People like collecting things, but I think part of the value is... Because it's rare, and if it's in good condition, like it's hard to maintain that condition over time. Yeah. A digital piece of art is always going to be in mint condition. Yeah, but there's rare there's rare NFTs too, you know. But there's different rarities which which collectors appreciate. Rare NFTs in a collection go for multiples of common NFTs in a collection. But but it's only rare in this like arbitrary form of ownership you know yeah. it, it can be like a, a sports card is rare because there's literally only a thousand of them in the world you know yeah but the digital piece of art there could be infinite amount well, i mean wh- wh- why why should a michael jordan sports card a mickey mantle i saw a mickey mantle sports card sell for 12 million dollars it's rare but what is it really i mean it's just a it's just a physical card. No, I agree. That, 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 that society and culture is valuing at a certain number. Right, right, right. I, and I, I, t- and, I totally agree with that. And um, 
when you like people in crypto and NFTs similarly value NFTs at a certain number. There's a market around that. And part of the reason that they do is because they've interacted with NFTs before. So like people who have never like traded an NFT before don't feel very secure about the whole system about what's going on. It just sounds like it sounds kind of crazy. Yeah. But it starts to make a little more sense once you've, you've actually like done it, once you've actually bought an NFT and you kind of see like, oh, this is in my crypto wallet now. I can list it for sale if I want to and and potentially make money on it. As somebody who doesn't, I used to like baseball cards. I would never pay $12 million for a baseball card, but I understand the idea of like, okay, it's rare and it's very valued by baseballs, America's pastime, sports cards, you know, they're making a little bit of comeback that were huge. Like, I get that people would pay that. Like, do you think the masses will ever adopt this idea of digital art being valuable? Or do you think it's like a a craze? Well, so like um, CryptoPunks, you know what CryptoPunks are? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were like the first popular NFT collection that basically like kicked off this entire subculture, right? And it's like, do you think CryptoPunks have value? I mean, again, that's a that's a funny question because it's like they obviously have value because they're worth whatever it is. Yeah, yeah right? Minimum, yeah. But it's like, is that worth it? I guess my question is, is that is it worth that just because of this current hype? Kind of like a pet rock. You remember hearing about the pet rock? How like it was very popular. Or uh, There's actually Tamagotchis. Or yeah. you remember all those things that were yeah. like... Uh, Furbies was another one. Super uh, Beanie Babies. Like, there's all these things that are like, you got this craze to them, and people say, "Oh, this Beanie Baby's worth this." This is worth. And it's like, mm-hmm. don't you think it's it's more than probable so, that so, these things are just like that? You're right. It is more than probable. Any any given collection is more than likely going to head towards zero. But when you unleash like the creativity of the entire internet to create something cool and it's not just about the art this is the difference between your mickey mantle sports card and an nft like an nft is programmable and um like it it can be used as a membership pass um to like it's very commonly used in discord so you'll get like um special channels that only like crypto punk holders will be in um live events so they'll hold like like uh, many of the big NFT collections throw like million dollar parties and then I mean you might you might think it's lame to go to this like crypto NFT party or whatever but like that is a draw for some people no 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 and um like you can you can gate anything be- behind actually owning an NFT you can gate like an entire mer- merch store if you wanted to or you could you could gate like uh access to an application like, like, like the, the application could say, you can only access this application if you own a CryptoPunk in your in your wallet. So, like, it has all these kind of applications there that allow it to be a um, allow like it to have more value than just the art. I get that, but my thing with that is, like, well, you're not paying for the art, then, you know. You're like that that Mickey Mantle card doesn't come with any access or anything like yeah. that, right? You basically you're paying 
for the access or pay, and like I've I've seen a lot of that. And, and you're right. Some sometimes you are paying for the art. I mean, it, you're not paying a hundred percent for one thing or the other necessarily. Um, but there are there are like NFTs that are purely access passes. Like um, there's a lot of analytics websites for for crypto and NFTs that sell NFTs as access passes to their application. And maybe they, there's only a limited number of access passes to to use their analytics site. Maybe this isn't a good strategy overall for them to sell sell access to their to their analytics site. But this does exist. But what my point would be like, okay, maybe CryptoPunks has these real life events, and um, you get access to certain things. Um, but the rare ones still go for way more than the common ones. The, the common ones, the cheapest is like a hundred thousand. CryptoPunks. Yeah, yeah. About, right? So, but in crypto, there's ten thousand CryptoPunks, and like, um, they were like kind of randomly generated with different like features. Yeah. yeah. And so there's six aliens, which are the rarest type of CryptoPunk, and like those, go for like, um, probably at least like two million would be the cheapest you could get one right now. Um. And it's and it's simply like, the market values them, at two million. There's people who are willing to buy your alien if you want to sell it, and you have a question. Like I feel like a question is whether this is all sustainable. No, it's not. And the way I view it is, it's kind of like a Darwinian survival, of the fittest, it, um, for art. Where lots of these collections will go to zero, but some will survive. The ones that will will survive are the ones that have made an impact on the culture, like CryptoPunks. CryptoPunks are never going to zero because they were the first NFT. Um, they, they were the first like popular NFT collection um, and they're used in profile pictures uh, on social media, which sounds like kind of stupid. No, no, no. But it's a, it's a huge, it's a big flex in crypto to have a CryptoPunk because it kind of, I mean, it, 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 it's a flex in that like it kind of displays your wealth in a certain way. Um, but also like crypto punks are like, uh, one of the major successes of Ethereum and like a lot of like very, um, I guess important people in crypto have crypto punks. So people like value them like almost strictly off of what they see on social media. It's crazy. Which, which I think is kind of like, uh, evidence of why this is just. You know, like why? It doesn't... Well, the thing is, it, it's it's like like what's stopping me from putting a crypto punk in my profile picture? I mean, you can, right? Um, now, Twitter has added functionality for you to link your your NFT from your crypto wallet, and then that will display as an NFT in your profile picture. So, people would see a, a crypto punk in your profile picture, but they would know it's not. They wouldn't necessarily know that it, it, it wasn't yours, but um, they wouldn't know for sure that you had it. Because there's other people, you can actually click on the profile and, and see, oh, this guy actually owns it. So let me ask you this. And I kind of wondered this about you have a digital gallery. This yeah. was called, right? Yeah. And like, how many times have you perused somebody else's digital gallery? 
So I, I look or at, how many times have you verified somebody that has a crypto punk? And maybe that's a bad example because if they have an alien, uh, or like, oh, like, but like if there's a random NF like picture bar, how many times do you really actually care if somebody else owns something? Um, so the thing about the digital art gallery is like what it does is it takes your crypto wallet, sees all the NFTs you have in there, and then you can like place the NFTs on the wall. Right. So you, right. You, right. And then when you're inside the digital art gallery, you can act, it actually links directly to OpenSea, which is the NFT um, marketplace. So you could actually put a bid on them or immediately buy it out if you wanted to. Gotcha. So it's kind of an interesting way to sell art as well. Um, it's like still new. It's still new. Yeah. It's not super popular yet. But um, I, I've, I've only maybe looked at like five to ten maybe like 10 art galleries and I just thought they were really cool. I, I, I looked at like one of the biggest collectors. He has all of the expensive pieces, a lot of like very expensive pieces. And, um, it kind of got me into art blocks, um, which is kind of this curated set of like generative art. It's not like profile picture stuff. It's like, it's a blend between art and code. Um, and like, if you Google like Fidenzas, like Fidenzas are the most popular art box. Um, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like, uh, it seems like a, a new, a, a new evolution of art, um, what they're doing with art blocks. Cause it's, it, yeah. Go ahead. So let me put it like this. And I think this is something that's like really, I don't want to say red flag, but striking to me. I remember in college you made fun of me for a piece of writing I made that was very artistic. And what? I, yeah, oh yeah. What? Oh yeah. You put it on Reddit. Don't you remember? You and Jace, Jason were roasting me. Okay, wait, what was Reddit. it? What was it? It was about, uh, well, it was actually a really good lesson I learned uh, I, because when I shared it in my class, um, it, I, it was, you know, the infinite monkey theorem? You ever hear that? If yeah, a, not in a while though. If a monkey pounds on a typewriter yeah. for eternity eventually he'll complete the entire works of Shakespeare and so it's kind of about that and um I remember you and Jason just roasted me you put it on reddit everyone on reddit was like you know this is so dumb it doesn't mean anything yada, yada, yada. then I shared it with this writing class and everyone in my writing class was like this is so like on the nose like there's no deep like this is so obvious what it's about you know yeah. and I remember my professor saying like it was a lesson in like being mindful of your audience. And I remember specifically he said, he's like, you know, he writes poetry and his brother's like, when are you, his brother always says to him, when are you going to, you know, write something that I'll enjoy? And he's like, well, you don't enjoy poetry. So never, you know? Yeah. And, um, so it's just kind of like, I always, well, I, what I'm getting at is um, like, if, if you being so involved in art is kind of just striking to me. And I wonder if these crypto punks were worth zero or these digital art galleries had no monetary value attached to it, would you enjoy them? Like, would you be interested in them, do you think? No, probably not. I think that's... that's. You know, CryptoPunks so, are minted for free. You could have got one for free. I didn't know. They, they put the contract on the internet and said, anyone can mint one for free. So the, they, they took nothing but, from the project. Actually, they, they, they reserved some of the CryptoPunks for themselves. That's it. So I guess that's kind of my point where you're not really interested in the art. And I feel like most people are like you 
you're not really interested in the art. You're interested in the monetary value attached to the art and the potential to make money with it. I mean, I, I am interested. I've become more interested in the art. Um, but if right now all NFTs were worth zero. I, I find it a very interesting phenomenon, and I don't think it's going away. It, it's like whether or not you like what, what's going on, there's a lot of scam NFTs, and like there's like it's the Wild West in crypto, yeah. right? But the way I like, I don't think it's going away at all. It's a thing, and the like, I think the infrastructure of NFTs are very good in terms of like how it can grant you access to a bunch of different things, even live events, like tickets, stuff like that, that people are just going to keep building because that's what happens in crypto. Like, Yeah. People and just build. To be clear, I do think that, like, I, I, I believe NFTs are, like, I, I, th- I was talking, I've recently bought a house, and you had to do all this crazy stuff for ownership and all this kind of stuff. And, like, I think in 10 or 15 or 20 years, the the title to the house or whatever it's called that could be an NFT you know it just seems a lot more efficient like I do I don't think so. yeah maybe like like maybe. I think there's application to non fungible tokens yeah outside of art yeah I think my confusion is just this this made up value of art and here's the thing I don't think there's a question of what the valuation like how much should these be worth you can, like you can't say it's all worth zero. I mean, like, you could, but, like, I, I think that's crazy. That's just, like, ignoring, like, that's ignoring that a lot of people collect these things. things. It's I like, agree with that. Yeah, it's like, that. it's like, it's not all going to zero, okay, but w- some things are going going to do very well. Some things have done very well, and I just think, like, you project 10 years into the future. And the thing is, like, NFTs are also fun. Like, I was walking in Philly on, on Friday night um, to dinner. I walked by a traditional art gallery. There were zero people in there. Yeah. And then my friend was at this um, NFT Philly event, and there was like 200 people in there. That's interesting. It was it was like open. There was like a, they were at a bar. There's like there's art on the wall. It, yeah. It's a different experience that younger people find interesting. So yeah. like, and that is I actually thought about this on the way over. I do think there's a gap in my mind about the younger generation's experience in the digital world. Yeah. I, I definitely think I have a hard time wrapping my mind around I, I was in L.A. I was in Santa Monica, I think. Um, but by the shops down by the pier, I guess. And there's actually a store there with, like, a nice, like, co-working space. You own one of their NFTs. Like, you get to use their co-working space in downtown. But, like, again, that goes, that goes back to your buying access, not... And that's, you know, I mean, that's that's where I think but the like art value gets lost. No, I understand that. But I just feel like the art value gets lost there when you're talking about access things. But there are artists, like, I know an artist who, like, she just, um, she draws on her iPad, you know, every day. Like, 10 hours a day. She has a, a following of maybe, like, six to 7,000 followers. And she has a group of collectors who buy her stuff, you know? Yeah. It's a way for her to monetize her interest. And, like, maybe she sold, like, 200K worth of NFTs. Wow, good and for her. in some sense, like, who's getting scammed here? Like, like uh, she's selling the digital art. The collectors want to buy it. Now, it's a question, do those pieces of art hold value over time? But isn't that always the question when you're buying art? 
Yeah. Know? No, I, I agree with that. Yeah. And I do think, you know, the entire art world in general is a little confusing to me. Yeah. Um, so I'm with that. Hey, we got to get going. Yeah, we do. Thank you so much, Russ, for coming on, a.k.a. Eminem Jr. Eminem Jr.? Eminem oh, Jr. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> Eminem or Fidel Castro? I don't know. Things like I don't I don't recommend invest, investing in NFTs. I just I find this space very interesting, and I've like I, I wanted to get involved to see like what's going on. Um, so you don't recommend investing in? I, I I don't recommend investing in anything that's not like seriously blue chip. It's just like incredibly it's incredibly risky, and. If you do, if you do invest, here's my advice. If you do invest in NFTs, like you need to take profits. There's a ton of variance. Some things will pump a lot. Like you have to, you have to sell. <coughs> don't hold, don't hold for too long. Or things could go wrong. <laughs> the thing is, like, the one of the issues about investing in NFTs is there's just so much more supply coming on the market. Right, there's so many new teams building stuff, building like similar projects, right? And it's like, yeah, if your project it doesn't have incredible, like incredible art, the art like does matter sometimes for these NFT collections. Um, because if the art sucks, it's going to zero for sure. Yeah. So like th- that's one way to say like the art does matter. If the art sucks, like of course that's in the Beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? But, um... So, why don't you think that, uh... Like, I thought the one of the most uh, valuable things about NFTs were digital proof of ownership. Yeah. So, why don't you think that something like who owns a house can be streamlined with an NFT? Um, Do you know how much, like, paperwork comes so, with that? It's insane. Right. Um, so the thing is, like, a house is like a physical object, and like, th- there's so many regulations with with government, with like U.S. government, on on how houses get transferred. Like, there's like deeds and titles and all that. Um, I mean, I I don't know. That's why I think an NFT would be beneficial. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure they, it would cut out a lot of money making in right. that industry. So maybe I, I, they I would guess, fight it. I, I, but I just think ideally, yeah, that's like a great use scenario for NFTs. Right. I, I, I can agree. I, I just think it's going to take a long time. Um. I don't know. I'd have to think about it more. Well, next time you get on, you have to let me know. I am at Angelo's Pizzeria because my guest that recommended this is probably the most analytical person I know. He couldn't join for the cheesesteak since it's closed on Monday and Tuesday. Yeah, I drove all the way back down from Delco to deliver on this review. You're welcome. But he had gotten Angelo's over the weekend since he's in from out of town and it's the number one one bite bar stool pizza review in Philadelphia. I know you may be thinking that doesn't make him the most analytical person in the room. Well, he got a cheesesteak to go along with his pizza and I'm going to wait until the end to share his very logical review because before I could even get to that, he broke down the entire business model of Angelo. And you got a cheesesteak there too? Yeah. 
Well, Is it good? Angelo's has the highest A Portnoy pizza rating in the city. 9.1. Wow. But Angelo's was um was founded in 2013. And Angelo's is cash only. You have to order it in the store. You can't call it in. Really? Yeah, so you order it and you have to wait 30 minutes. This system only kind of makes sense if you're operating at max capacity in terms of pumping out pizzas and, and cheesesteaks. Like, you couldn't possibly sell anymore because you're already selling all your pizzas that you make in a day. Was there a line? There wasn't a line to order, which is strange. I don't know. It's crazy to me. I don't understand why they just don't make ordering and picking up much easier. Part of it's like um, kind of ego. Like we're so good, you're just gonna have to wait. Even Dave Portnoy had to wait. Like, dude, I was just asking, how was the cheesesteak? That's why I knew he would be the perfect person to have on the podcast to talk about NFTs. And I thought we had a pretty great back and forth. But that's neither here nor there. Today, we review Angelo's Pizzeria Cheesesteak. Initial impression, walking into the store. Like I've said before, I don't need the red carpet rolled out for me. I just hate going into places where I feel as though I'm a burden for wanting to give them my business. That said... I did not feel that at all at Angelo's, despite them being very busy. Oh, we got a truck stopping right here. I'm gonna take my first bite because I can't wait anymore. Are you kidding me right now? This truck is a tractor trailer. It's literally blocking me in. The driver got out of the truck. I bet he's going to Angelo's. All right, we're back. She asked me, what kind of cheese you want? And I said, what do you usually do? Without hesitation, she says Cooper, which I love. Not only because she made the decision for me, but it's a little different. I would never ever think to do that. I would either go American or Wiz. To me, it's a binary decision and apparently it's trinary. The role selection, we need to talk about this. Oh, and the other thing, she asked me if I wanted fried onions and I said, could I have raw onions actually? And she gave me a little smile, but it wasn't a smile in judgment, which is a smile of judgment that I get oh so often when I ask for that, because let's be real, getting raw onions on a cheesesteak is about as bad as blotting the grease off the pizza with a napkin. I understand that. However, I'm trying to be healthy. And I think the smile she gave me recognized that and was like, hey, I appreciate the fact that you're saving yourself 80 or 90 calories by going with the healthy alternative. They didn't chop the onions up, but at the same time, I'm getting raw onions at a busy pizza place, so I can't really expect much. The rolls is suspect. They're using some sort of fancy dancy bun here with sesame seeds on it. Very questionable. Tastes like I'm eating a stale croissant. All things considering, let me say this. If you're going to Angelo's, don't get a cheesesteak get the pizza. And that's coming from somebody who's never even had the pizza. Mm. You see that right there? You see that? That's just like the testament to how tough the bread is. Killing me, small. Baseline Philly cheesesteak is a 7.6. I don't want to give it just a 7.6. Oh, I can't go anywhere. I'm still stuck. You know, I have to admit, if I ran into this roll outside of Philadelphia and I didn't know it was from Sarconi's or Sarcones, however, you, I never knew how to pronounce that. I would judge the shit out of that. Let's be honest about that. So you know what? Objectively speaking, if I didn't know that, I'm going to give it a 6-7. Six, 6-7. Seven. Six, seven. I'm sorry, Angelos. The roll is just messing me up, man. This is That's some, that's some out-of-town bullshit. Here's Russ's very logical answer. Make sure you check out our full conversation wherever you listen to podcasts. Was the cheese that good? It's just really hard to like differentiate between like a really, really good cheesesteak and an incredible one. Because like 
I eat cheesesteaks so infrequently that, like, they're always, like, pretty incredible when I get them in Philly. You know, I don't eat yeah. them enough. Oh, the other reason Angelo's is cash only is to avoid the credit card fee. Like, you know, businesses have to pay, like, That's 2-3%. Right. right, right, right. I mean... I always forget about that. I'm pretty sure they could just raise their prices by 3% and no one would care and then accept credit cards.